the minister was preoccupied with thoughts of how he was going to, after the worship service, ask the congregation to come up with more money than we're expecting for repairs of the church building. Therefore, he was annoyed to find that the regular organist was sick and a substitute had been brought in at the last minute. The substitute wanted to know what to play. Pastor said, here's a copy of the service. He said impatiently, but you'll have to think of something to play after I make the announcement about the finances. Sure enough, during the service, the minister paused and said, brothers and sisters, we are in great difficulty. The roof repairs cost twice as much as we expected, and we need $4,000 more. Any of you who can pledge $100 or more, please stand up. It was at that moment the substitute organist played the Star Spangled Banner. And that's how the substitute became the regular organist. <laughs> Amen. Today, uh, I just, I think sometimes uh, with some of uh, the older folks, we get things that are correct, and uh, we forget that we get a lot of new people in. And so we want to bring them up to date about some things, and so I hope that it'd be a blessing. Uh, you know, there are certain, certain foods that go together. Uh, I mean, they just go together. And uh, whether it's hamburger and fries, right? And uh, it's, uh, uh, what, mashed potatoes, gravy, chicken, corn. You just mix them all up. Yeah, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter with things like that. But then you have dessert. You have a nice piece of pie. You don't want to mix it in with your gravy, right? Hi, Tim. Good to see you here today. God bless you. And, uh, but you don't want to mix it up with the rest of the food, do you? I mean, it just, uh, it's just not right to mix it, to blend it all together. My stepfather used to do that all the time. I, it didn't matter what was on his plate. He'd cut it up, start eating it. That's why I think today when I eat, I usually eat separate things. I keep it separate in order so when I eat it, because I saw that uh, calamity. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, the title of my message is this morning is the mixing, the blending, the confusing of Christendom. Okay, real simple. Uh, Romans chapter 11 verse 13 says this here. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. A lot of people get real confused because they think they should follow the 12 apostles. Peter, James, John. That's not true. He just said who our apostle is. Who's our apostle? Paul's our apostle. So if you keep that in mind, it will help you. There's lots of debates and confusion within Christian churches today. Uh, most use and quote Bible verses, yet almost all of them disagree with one another. <laughs> and it gets really, really confusing at times. As a matter of fact, I just read yesterday, I think it was Sean Braxton, he said there are 38,000 denominations. 38,000. 
and they all claim to follow Jesus, yet they believe, they practice different opposing teachings or doctrine. And so we come along the scene and we say, how can that be? Well, if you'll remember, very simple, that as we go here, in time past, that took in these dispensations, these three and these two here, we call that time past. It ended when Israel said no to Christ at mid-Acts. From that moment on, there began to be a transition from Israel to the body of Christ. Our books for us today for Bible truth, in a sense for our body of Christ church living today, is found in Romans through Philemon, when the apostle Paul, our apostle, was saved. One day we're going up in a rapture, then God begins to deal again through Hebrew, through Revelation, with the nation of Israel again. And so that's very, very important just to remember that. Remember time past, Genesis through Acts 7. But now, Romans through Philemon. And then ages to come, Hebrews through Revelation. Just remember that. Time passed, he dealt with Israel. But now, he deals with the body of Christ. Ages to come, he deals with Israel again. Okay? Just put that in your thinking a little bit. Now, there are many churches that believe faith plus works are necessary to be saved. Okay? Faith plus works. Faith plus baptism. Faith plus giving. Faith plus, plus, plus. Okay? And they might use Matthew 19, 17. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Not only were they to believe, they were to have works, keep the commandments. James 2.24 says this here. You see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. So there we see in those two verses there, where is Matthew and James found? Matthew is found back here in the Gospels and James is found over here in the ages to come that will be in the tribulation one day, okay? But our apostle says, Romans 3, 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. He says in 4, 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Do you see that? And by the way, where is that found? That's found for us today in the body of Christ. But now, the gospel of grace dispensation. See that? And then some groups believe water baptism is required to be saved. I'm sure you've heard that before. And they will use Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Pretty simple, Okay. And then they'll use Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And when you do that, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So you have there, you have Mark, it's found in time past there, and then you have Acts 2, that's also found in time past, that's when he's dealing with the nation of Israel. Our apostle, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1.7, for Christ sent us not to baptize, 
That right there tells you something very important. Baptism has nothing to do with our gospel today. Amen? But to preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one spirit are we all, we who come to faith in Christ, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. In other words, the moment you say, I believe in your heart, I believe Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again, that's enough to save me. I believe it. And when I believe it, it's at that moment the Spirit of God takes you out of Adam and places you into Christ. Okay? That's called spirit baptism. That's real simple. Ephesians 4, 5 says this, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one baptism today. And we just saw what it was. For today, it's spirit baptism. The Spirit of God takes you out of Adam, places you into the body of Christ. You get that the moment you are saved. Amen? Now, some churches participate in snake handling. We won't ever do that, I promise you on that one. <laughs> Devil exorcisms, tongue talking, healing service. They'll use Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They use James 5.15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they've committed any sins, they'll be forgiven also. Now, where is Mark found? Time passed. Where's James found? Ages to come. Not for the body of Christ. You see that? Or are you blind? Do you see that? Okay. Paul, our apostle, says about this, Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul says in this life we will suffer. He says in 1 Timothy 5.23, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake. My question is, why didn't Paul just touch him and heal him if it was for then, for the body of Christ? It was over. Not only that, 2 Timothy 4.20, Erastus abode at Corinth, but uh, Trophimus have I left at Miletum. How? He left him behind sick. Well, wait a minute. Why didn't Paul heal him? Because the signs and the wonders were, have faded off the scene. The transition was taking place to the body of Christ. We're different today from Israel. That's so important. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Huh? Verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, and the perfect is not Jesus Christ. The perfect there is an object. And there's one, only one object that is perfect, and that's the Word of God. Upon the completion of the Word of God, these things will be done away with. Amen? That's what our apostles said. Some argue that we must keep the Sabbath, worship on Saturday. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
But our apostle says, Colossians 2.16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day. We are not under those conditions. Today we meet up on the first day of the week, don't we? Not the Sabbath. Some churches believe you can lose your salvation. They'll use Psalm 51.11 with David. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now when was Psalm, when was Psalm, huh? Time passed, okay? I hope I'm doing that right. I'm not used to that old thing, just flipping. I could wail somebody right now real fast. <laughs> A couple of you deacons come up here. I want to show and tell. I'm kidding. Here's a good one people use, Hebrews 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and they're talking to those about Pentecost actually, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, they were experiencing the new covenant, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance and so on. If they draw away, they'll never... When is Hebrews? Where is Hebrews? Ages to come. You see that. They use that. But Paul says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Our apostle says, Ephesians 4.30. He says, Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed for how long? Until the day of redemption. In the body of Christ, when you get saved, he stays there until he takes you home up in the rapture to the day of redemption. That's when our bodies are redeemed with our souls. Then he also says this in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, uh, he that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God promises what he starts, he will finish in you. That's his promise. And then notice some churches say this, they say tithing is a must. They'll use Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And then he said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and so on. Now, where is Malachi found? Time passed to Israel. Our apostle for today, 2 Corinthians 9. Bring, no, that's the wrong one. 2 Corinthians 9. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully, likes a cheerful giver. Every man according as he purpose, purposeth in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. As God's prospered us, we give accordingly, okay? We're not under law to have to tie. We just give because we love God. Also, some churches teach that when we sin, we must confess our sins to have them forgiven. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, okay? Where's 1 John? Hello? Verse John, okay? Our apostle says this, Ephesians 4.32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God, for Christ's sake, hath, past tense, forgiven you. We're already forgiven. It states in Colossians 2.13, the last part of that verse, together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. When you got saved, if you're saved today, God forgave you of all your past sin, all your present sin, and all your future sin. You're totally, completely, all, once for all, forgiven of all your sins. Amen? That's our apostle, what he tells us. Then some groups say, well, you need to be circumcised. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. Now, let me ask you, where is Genesis found? Huh? Okay. Our apostle says, Galatians 5, 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. He says in verse 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. See, circumcision today means nothing. It did with Israel, but not with the body of Christ. Now, it's amazing, all these churches using Bible verses to support their opposing views. And you ask yourself, how is that possible? What in the world are we to believe? He's a God of order. The problem is not God's word. The word of God is infallible. The word of God is inerrant. And it's no problem there. The problem is sinful man and Satan have created so many false teachings and traditions. And the way that they do that, they just take all of the Bible and mix it and blend it. Here I am in the body of Christ, free in grace, and they try to bring these things over into the body of Christ or they try to bring it from over here and create these false teachings. And that goes on all the time. The solution is 2 Timothy 2.15. This is simple stuff, okay? But in enlightening and illuminating when it clicks with you. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved in God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That verse right there, that verse right there, it's the only verse in the Bible that tells you to study and then how to study. He says, study, how do you do that? Rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, God gave different instructions to various peoples throughout, our, throughout history. Confusion results when we combine all the Bible's instructions from these dispensations to this dispensation over here and ours and we just mix them and we blend them. That's when we get in trouble. Uh, people that do that, they think that God, when he spoke, he spoke only to one group of people. Well, he didn't just speak to one group of people. He spoke to Gentiles, then the Jews, now 
Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter, whosoever will, one day he returns back to the Jews. And it's very important to know those distinctions. There are several dispensations in Scripture. We've seen that. Innocence, conscience, government, promise, law, grace, and the ages to come. So you have to figure out which dispensation we are in. And Paul says, I'm your apostle. And he's the one who wrote Romans through Philemon. Amen? But God gave different instructions to different groups of people throughout history. An example is the law. Uh, Acts 15, verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. But there rose up a certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed. They believed Christ was Messiah here, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Pretty simple. But our apostle in Acts 13 says this, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. And that's something. He says in Romans 6, 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Hello? That's a good truth right there, people. Huh? It's a great truth right there. I'm so grateful I'm living in the time of grace today where God's not imputing our sins. He's forgiving our sins today. What a difference it is. Now, I need to hurry here, so I want you to follow me, if you would. Today, we're not to mix God's dealings with Israel, with the body of Christ. We're not supposed to do that. Now, don't get shook up with this verse, because this is a traditional verse, John 1, 29. Next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. See, he's coming and he's going to the cross. Not true. That verse is not saying that. The actual truth of that verse is the Lamb of God in Revelation is going to take away the sinners from this world. Hello, now, I'll prove that. Mark 9, 31, 32. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. After that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. His disciples had no clue he was going to the cross to suffer for sins. It states in Luke 18, 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written in the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on, and they shall, all, and they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. 
Now, I'm not too smart in some areas, but I figure if they don't know about Christ's death and resurrection, how could they be preaching that if they didn't know that? They were preaching a different message. Christ is Messiah. That was their message. Not that he's dying for the sins of the world. Amen? John chapter 20. Even after the resurrection of Christ, he's risen. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. I personally believe that's Lazarus. Uh, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And they don't even know he's dying for sins. They don't even know he should die and rise from the grave. So that's at the end of John. How in the world could they be preaching the same message we're preaching today? That's an impossibility. Amen? It's an impossibility. We should just use, <coughs> excuse me, we should just use what is for us today when we're preaching the gospel especially. Romans through Philemon, right there. Why don't we use Romans 5, 8? But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. They never preached it, the 12, until later. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15 is ours. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. The gospel. For I delivered unto you, first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what our apostle says the gospel is. Do you not see the difference? Time passed, but now, today, the body of Christ, until we're raptured up, and then the ages to come with Israel once again. And when I go in and I take this verse out to make it doctrine for us today, you begin to get all kinds of weird 38,000 denominations. Amen? That's how it happens. We have a Savior who loved us, who came to this world, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, tortured on a cross for our sins, was buried, taking our sins with him, rising again the third day to justify us, to make us right with God. All we need to do today to be saved is to believe that. To believe, you know you need a Savior, you're a sinner. I don't think you have to break our backs and let us know we're sinners, right? But the fact that Christ loved us that much, he died for us, was buried, and rose again. And if I believe in him and what his work has accomplished, he says the moment I believe in that for my salvation, that moment 
He births me. He quickens me. He resurrects me. He makes me alive for the very first time spiritually. I remembered in my life, and I had a big hole there, and my life was a mess, a real mess. But I, God began to draw me like, I, 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 could, I can't explain it, and that day in that church service, I believed. And I was sitting right in my pew, and that's when I got saved. And from that moment on, he birthed me, and he gave me life. He gave me a desire for the things of God that I never had before. The things in my life that were sinful and wrong, I began to recognize them as a child of God, and I began to try to put those out of my life as I read the Word of God and made application to my life and tried to put on the things God would want me to do. And it's been a process. I still have to fight for it. Uh, you still have your flesh, but you're saved. And with COVID going on and everything, I know I'm going to heaven regardless of what happens. Nothing can change that. I'm one of his own. And one of his second greatest things is the fact that I came to understand a little bit. I'm still learning about rightly dividing. And that has transformed my thinking, my study of scriptures, my understanding of scriptures. It's as if when I begin to learn it, those things begin to jump off the pages and for the first time the Bible made sense to me in a powerful way. And that's why I push it so much. Don't just say, well, it's a word and you go over it. Do it properly and be a studier and rightly divide. And I promise you, God will enlighten your life to a, to a height that you never dreamt you could ever go to. It's been so exciting. And those controversial verses, I said, well, wait a minute, who's he speaking to? Who, when, where, what, why? Just ask those simple questions. And you'll find out that where it's controversial, he's dealing with Israel and not the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, let me ask you, are you going to heaven today? Yes. If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Now, think that they're in your thinking. Now, most of us here would say yes, because there was that day that we believed in Christ. And if you've never done that, just bow your heart, your head, and believe in your heart that he's the son of God who died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. That's enough to save you. By faith, believe that. And if you do that, God will save you right where you're seated even this day. And for you Christians, it's time for many to stop being baby Christians, immature Christians, not knowing what we believe because we've always thought the Bible was difficult to understand, where this here helps us to understand it 
It's time to get in it, start digging, and be approved by God. That's what the verse says, isn't it? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for giving it to us. We can open up this book called the Bible, and we know it's inspired. It came directly from you as you told men what to write down in inspiration, but then through your Holy Spirit, there's preservation where you have preserved it over the years to protect it so that we as believers today can open it up and say, thus saith the Lord. I just pray our people would get a hold of who their apostle truly is. Our apostle. We love the 12, but our apostle is Paul because he's for the body of Christ today. May we get a hold of that in Jesus' name. Everybody said. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpindy.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.